Hey, Revenue Radio. It's Mary Grothy. I have a new face today joining me and she is unbelievable. And I'm going to introduce her in a second, but let me tell you about this topic and why we are sharing it with you today. We are going to cover marketing tactics to kickstart going on our engine theme here, your revenue engine. So marketing tactics to kickstart your revenue engine. We are going to dive a little bit deeper on the marketing side today. And I had no one else I wanted to be with me other than Lauren Hawthorne. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. What a, what a lovely introduction that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can do it better if you want me to. Here we go. So Lauren, <laughs> Lauren joined us recently as a chief marketing officer. I knew from the very first conversation when I met her in her very first interview, I told the internal team, I'm like, just go for it. She is absolutely unbelievable. She's fierce. She's knowledgeable. She gets it. She's done it. I'm like, we got to have her on this team. And then my team, of course, they balance me out because I'm that like really high capacity, fast urgency emotional decision maker. And they're like, Mary, we have to follow a process. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'm over here impatient. Like, have we, are we sending her an offer? What are we doing? Like, guys, we need to hire Lauren. (laughs) And well, now we need to do this step. And it was so funny because Sabrina, our our uh, internal CMO, when she met you, felt the same way. It's just like, are we excited to offer to Lord or what are we doing? You know, <laughs> everyone else is so good. They balance me out. They're like, we have to follow a process. But as part of our interview process at House of Revenue, we have our candidates show us examples of work and go through some, showing us just like how they think and some theory and execution on projects. We have to do that, right? So your deliverable that you sent, when I saw that, I was so good, Lord. I'm like, okay, are we extending an offer or what are we doing here? And so finally, I just said, I'm emailing it to her <laughs> right now. We are so grateful to have you. You have made an impact on us so fast. Clients love you. Parallel, your CRO loves you. You have absolutely changed everything for her and her world. And we are grateful to have you here. Thank you so much. Yes. I think that deliverable, I was on vacation in my hotel room. I think it was like 29 pages. I'm like, <laughs> I want to work so bad at house of revenue. This is so fun. So I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll be at the beach a little later, honey. Like I just got to do this really quick. This is so funny. I had to go buy a button up shirt down the street from Nordstrom to like have this zoom interview. <laughs> Cause I just had like beach clothes with me. So anyways, yeah, so happy to be here. Oh, that is incredible. <laughs> I always love finding out those backstories. Cause you just never really know until you, you know, open up the conversation, but that's so fun. And one thing I think that makes you such a powerful CMO is that you spent so many years in a sales position as well. So not only are you coming in with an understanding of marketing strategy and marketing tactics, but through your lens, it's actually very holistic because you sat in a sales seat and you sat in a sales leadership seat, you sat in the, the frame of mind of how marketing and branding has to perform in order to enable sales, which a lot of marketers don't have that experience. Yes. And it is so important to know that your marketing department is part of that revenue engine and being in those sales and marketing positions, um, it just, it, it really showed me that these two departments have to work together. Sales, customers, success, marketing have to be in conjunction. So important. Well, it is. And one of the challenges we've faced, and I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, is some companies don't under, well, okay, back up. When I say some companies, it's typically the companies we serve who we choose to serve and we love. And that's the second stage scale, past startup scale. They've achieved a few million on their path from that three to 5 million up to 20. And they usually undervalue marketing. They don't understand what it really is. They see it as an expense. 
a lot of them have said, oh, we hired an agency and we spent thousands of dollars and we got nothing for it. Or I had a marketing person once and after six months, I just um, I'm pulling the plug on this. We're not making any money on this. Usually marketing is so undervalued that one of the first hurdles we have is changing that perspective. Have you seen it and how do you overcome it? Oh yes, absolutely. And there's, there's a good example of one of my clients called referred to marketing as table stakes. And I think this is a poker term. Don't uh, quote me on that. Um, but you know, that, that attitude of, oh, we have to have a website because everybody has a website. I have to post on social media because everybody posts on social media, but you're missing that opportunity to use marketing as a revenue generator. And honestly, that becomes a sunk cost. If you just spend a ton of money on marketing (laughs) without any real overarching strategy or intention, it becomes very expensive for, and, and you don't really get much out of it. Yeah. And if, like you said, within, without relevancy or intention. So one of the biggest issues that I have seen with marketing, I do hear this a lot. I mean, I have the privilege to talk to CEOs every week and they, it's just such a common story, which stinks. I wish it wasn't this way because I love marketing so much and marketing can be so powerful, but a lot of CEOs just say, have the same story. We spent thousands of dollars and we got no return. And a lot of marketing agencies, they like to start with the same exercise, which is understanding ICPs and buyer personas. And so I've had a lot of clients say when they see that in our process, they're like, we, we're, we're not going to sit through another workshop where we talk about <laughs> our ICPs and buyer personas please. We've done it so many times. You can't pull my key stakeholders out for a whole day to sit in a workshop and talk about this again. We've done it multiple times and it's never turned into anything. Can we just send you what the other firms did for us? And I always say, send it to me. I'll take a look at it. I don't want to reinvent the wheel, but it's, it's, what did you do with it? So talk to me about relevancy and in, in making sure it's intentional when it comes to, okay, great. You identified your ideal client profile. That's ICP. And that's usually like a company and a type of like industry, size of company, stage of growth, geographic location, and then the buyer persona attached to it is the actual human. So the title, the day in the life, their characteristics, pains, problems. So what do you do once you have that? How, how does that morph the the marketing uh, tactic that kickstarts a revenue engine? Yes. And, you know, I'm going to back it up a little bit too. A lot of companies, you know, we have extremely smart people who have been in an industry for 20 years. And they said, I know my customer, I know my industry, but when is the last time you actually checked in on them? Uh. Uh, 2023, January, this is a really good time to do it. Who do you want to fill your pipeline with, first of all? Um, and have 20-minute conversations with those ideal customers. Get what their challenges are, get what their goals are for this year, and identify, like, how do we fit into that and what content can we provide? And unintentional, you know, um, marketing strategies, you know, I have an example of this. Um, I had a client who was an environmental engineer, (laughs) and they were so smart at their industry, and they were writing super technical white papers, but their clients were not technical. They were hiring the engineers to be the technical person, so their white papers, their articles, their blogs were not being read. So I said, let's pivot and actually match what your customer needs for this moment. And so it's really important to identify that first and foremost. Okay. So I like how you back me up. That's amazing. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more that a past ICP or buyer persona exercise, what was it rooted in? One of the first steps we do in our audit is we do those voice of the customer surveys. We also look at an audit of the current client base because our, our clients client base, our clients will be able to tell us we like this client. This one's a pain in the butt. We never want to work in that industry again. You know, gosh, you know, we love them. However, and then we can go through and actually look at that perfect 
gleaming picture of what an ideal client looks like. And based on data and based on the actual margins and profitability and servicing that client and supporting them. So you're right. We have to back up a step is in the ICP discussions. I mean, I can't tell you every time we go, we send a checklist ahead of our first 40 days. And one of the line items is to upload or link to any documents or information on who your ICPs and personas are. And our first step is to challenge that and to say, well, let's talk to your customers. Let's look at your client base and how you make money and where you can really flourish and win because it may look different. The other thing what if the market has shifted? What if the ICPs and personas that you've marketed to or appealed to in the past because of economic market triggers, a new competitor has come into the space or whatever, mm, new technology, something has shifted. Yeah. So can you still serve that? Is that still the buyer, even though it was in the past? Is it for today or with where you want to go? Mm-hmm. Is that who you want to market to? Yes. And I think it's so worth the time. I mean, just do five 20 minute conversations. It's shocking what you can find out. And it could (laughs) honestly affect not just your marketing department, but your sales, your product, your customer service, all of that. So just starting there for 2023, I think it's a really good time to do that. But yes, we can, we can get back to (laughs) the other questions that you had asked me about, you know, why is it so important to have an intentional marketing plan? Um, so just being like, like, you know, like we discussed before, I've been in those sales seats. I've been in those marketing seats. I've gotten my hands dirty with all of what entails in those positions. And this, my job as a marketer is one, to position, especially in the startup phase, in the scaling phase, to position your company as the leader in, with your particular value proposition in your industry. Mm-hmm. And two, to ultimately get you leads, especially, you know, it gets a little more convoluted as you mm-hmm. go along, but in that initial phase, I'm getting the, the qualified leads for the sales department. And how I get there, it, you know, it varies between yeah. companies and industries. Um, so am I giving you the right leads? Am I marketing to the right ICPs? Have I changed, have you changed your strategy in the last five years for marketing? Have mm-hmm. you gotten more modern with your clients and what their challenges are? Um, so it's, it's just a whole, it's such a key part of that revenue engine that when it's that weakest link, then it, it where, the, where the chain starts is, is mm-hmm. weak and it's going to continue to be weak down the line. Yes, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. So I want to adapt this then into the content strategy itself based on that, because I have seen multiple LinkedIn posts and multiple tweets that are asking what is next for content? What is next for content? Podcasts used to be this innovative strategy. And then everybody and their brother figured out you could order a microphone off of Amazon <laughs> and then set up an account online. And all of a sudden, what, hundreds of thousands of people now are podcasters and the market has been flooded with podcasts. And it's hard to cut through the noise and really build an audience and get it to where it needs to be. And then of course that caused podcast production companies to launch and try to help people and give them better editing and give them sponsors and a good platform and whatnot. But I've seen so many questions positioning. What is the next thing in content? What is the next thing in content? And I'm curious because we are inbound marketing gurus here at House of Revenue and we love content and we flourish our revenue engines that we build ever since we launched marketing services at the end of 2019. Our top strategy has always been on organic content in all the multiple forms. So what is your take on this in 2023? Like what are, are we just staying the course? Do you see innovation being brought in challenges? Yes. So I think there it's a mix of both. And I think content 
is still going to continue to be king for <laughs> not just revenue gener- or lead generation, but also for SEO. And I know that some you know clients are not happy to hear that, that, oh, no, I have to be on camera and I have to do webinars and I have to do podcasts and, oh, no, what am I going to do? Um, I saw a statistic um, recently that, that said in 2022, and I was surprised by this because I thought post-pandemic webinars and podcasts were going to go away. <laughs> um, everyone was tired of that and had Zoom fatigue. But 70% in 2022 of webinar marketers said that webinars were either the most effective or highest effective in converting leads. And so it's such an engaging way, uh, and it depends on your industry and your clients, um, but it's such an engaging way um, to nurture your current clients, those in your pipeline, and new leads. And I don't think that that's going to go away. Um, One other tactic that a client of mine is going to be starting is a um, executive roundtable. Oh, so yes, yes. So once a quarter, we're going to get, um, not just their clients, but also maybe prospective clients or professionals mm-hmm. in the industry to come and do either an in-person roundtable or a zoom roundtable. And I think that's going to be really big going mm-hmm. forward in 2023. Is that what you're seeing as oh, well? Oh, I absolutely love the idea of it. Absolutely love the idea of it. It's not for every company, yes. but it, especially in the world of professional services or those with higher high ticket dollar clients, uh, maybe not, you know, your consumer product transactional could be, you can have some roundtables on that for sure. But then yeah. in that case, you're more in like focus groups that yeah, product testing is a little bit different, but for sure in certain companies, I executive roundtables, I think are going to be uh, really, really important. I think some executives, especially because the market is shifting are looking for thought leadership. They're looking for help. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for strategy. And one of the components is they love learning from their peers. And I do know that there's information overload right now out there for executives because I am one and I get uh, hit up for so many different groups to join and masturbides and publications and newsletters and now LinkedIn has newsletters, right? So I'm like getting all these newsletters and I'm like, this is information overload. There's just so much out there. And then I've got to scroll through my LinkedIn feeds, which I do a lot because I follow some really great people and I'm digesting and I'm learning. I love some of the Forbes and, and Inc. articles usually are very good. And so I'm, but I'm having to go search for it and find it. I think somebody that can be a very proficient, relevant, and intentional thought leader to hold an executive roundtable could provide such an extreme amount of value that that would be a wonderful way to bring people into that brand. Yes. And, and one other thing as well is, you know, last year as well, I always told CEOs and leaders of companies that putting yourself out there is not always comfortable and <laughs> people don't like to hear that sometimes. Um, but especially on, you know, LinkedIn, social media, it's good to put faces to the company oh, kind of like yes. you're doing right now. And, and mm-hmm. not just the CEO, but, um, you know, your leaders, your team g- going out there and talking about what they, what they love and about their company and about their clients and their challenges. And really that really putting that vulnerability out there really connects with people and that human element in your mm-hmm. ICP and your buyer personas. And I think that's really going to continue to be huge. People want to do business with people. Yes. And if you don't have that representation as a face of your brand and humanize it a little bit, uh, what's the experience going to be from a branding standpoint? I agree with you. I think that encouraging people to get a little bit outside of their comfort zone, but the other side of it, and I'm going to just be brutally honest here, is we need to coach them and help them because some people are very uncomfortable in front of the camera and 
they will struggle to produce something of good quality. So that's the other component too. Yes, we need to encourage people to get outside of their comfort zone, but as marketing leaders and executives out there, if we're going to put somebody in front of a camera and be responsible for being the face of our company, we need to coach them. We need to train them. We need to give them the comfort and allow them to take multiple takes and really get into the groove because we can't sacrifice the quality of it because there's so much content out there these days that it needs to be good content. So there is a little bit of an uphill battle, but I want to just speak that out. Like it's not just enough to put the owner in front of a camera or a lead executive or a representative. It has to also be very good content. So you need to lean on your head of marketing or your marketing team to help them and make sure it's the right message at the right time to the right audience on the right channel. And so please have an open mind for that because the actual quality of content is very important. Yes. And Mary, I actually had a client call me yesterday and say, oh my gosh, Lauren, please don't put me on video. Please don't, don't put me on webinars. I don't want to do it. Uh, you know, I'm a finance numbers person. I'm not a social media person, please. And I said, you know, as your fractional CMO, don't worry, I will help you. I will guide you. I will set it up for you. You don't have to create, um, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. We can help you do that. Don't worry. We'll get this figured out. It'll be okay. You'll be great. You're so smart. You know, you're the head of your department. Trust me, you have the knowledge. We'll put the, we'll, we'll take care of the rest. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, like I have been in front of the camera since I was a kid. I've been on stage since I was three and I got over the fear of it at such a young age that sometimes I forget that this is mortifying for some people and it's so unnatural. And I, I forget that sometimes. So I do just give the encouragement that You've got to have someone that understands how the process works, that can make it feel super comfortable and really produce great content. So I think those are very good words to share with your (laughs) client. We will not let you down. Yes, (laughs) I promise. I promise. I think one last point too is not to forget about um, SEO and blogging and articles. Google is getting stricter and stricter Mm. every day when it comes to SEO. So if, if a company wants to show up of, you know, say I'm an accounting firm and I, and someone Googles accounting firms near me, I want to show up on the first page, obviously. I think blogging and articles are going to have to be a part of your 2023 plan as well. We don't want to forget that. And and again, it must be done well. It it should be led by professionals um, who know what they're Mm -hmm. doing with keyword research and all of that kind of stuff. But that... That is something that, you know, a, a fractional CMO or a, a marketing contractor, marketing managers can absolutely handle. Yes. And it has to be done well because Google doesn't want transactional content anymore. They're looking for high value content. So a lot of content writers and SEO agencies and content agencies were just cranking out yes. content like thousand word blogs just over and over and over again and optimizing around a set of keywords. But the new Google algorithm is favoring sites that keep the reader on the site and actually don't cause another click afterward. So your site will be in a way penalized if the reader is taken to your site through the Google algorithm and they don't find the answer that they need in the post and they click back and they go to a different resource. Google's tracking that and they're going to say, okay, you're, you have content, but it's actually not good content. It's not high value and it's not satisfying the reader's question. So now they're prioritizing 
high value content. So what are you doing to produce high value content and not transactional content, which is why you've got to take marketing seriously and having the right people in the right seats on the team to drive this. One of my uh, favorite components we'll talk about here is, as we start to wind down on this episode is marketing should make you money. Not every single tactic, a piece of marketing needs to be traced back to, to dollar revenue because a lot of it is seen as campaign driven and looking at a full architecture of a campaign and the different facets of that and then tracking revenue influence based on campaign level. So looking at revenue attribution with that, how do you as a CMO prep a marketing budget and then hold the tactics accountable to the budget on performance? Absolutely. So establishing KPIs, this is going to be different for every business, every industry. Um, First of all, hold your marketing department accountable in 2023 for data and KPIs not just sinking money into marketing because you have to table stakes. Again, um, I had a client that spent $2,000 a month on paid media on Google, did no tracking on it. What? And, and once we dug into the data, there was no conversions from it. So they spent $24,000 as a startup, which cash is so valuable at that point. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it and it makes me cringe. And I'm like, oh no. So hold your department accountable. When you're building a budget, make sure you have... The data setup, HubSpot is a great way to do this. Google Analytics is a great way to do this. Have it set up to where, okay, we're spending money on something, especially the high budget items like paid digital. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, that that it's converting and you can track that. And mm-hmm. a lot of, and Google Analytics is a free tool and you can use it. Yes. Yes. Well, it's critical. We are always, always looking at the data. We love to say around here that opinions are valuable, but data is priceless. We invest in technology like HubSpot. We also use tools like Google Analytics and SEMrush and other tools that give us the visibility into how the tactics and campaigns are performing. It is far better to understand your leading indicators and know when to pivot versus waiting for a lagging indicator to be missed like an outcome. And so great marketers, great CMOs are going to not only understand the strategy, they'll be able to take the overarching strategy, create a tactical execution plan, implement, delegate, oversee the execution, and then monitor the performance and be able to pivot and shift within that. So as we wrap us today, I think one of the biggest initiatives for 2023 is to start at the macro to understand the marketing strategy as a whole and ensure it is intentional and relevant to the type of buyer you'd like to optimize for to be inside of your funnel, but then having the right tactics to get the right message at the right time in front of the right buyer with the right conversion and be tracking it. What other words of wisdom do you have to share with us? (laughs) Yes. Talk to your ICP, talk to your employees, talk to your coworkers, talk to your peers, talk to your networking groups about what is coming up in this year for your industry. Mm-hmm. And you might be surprised that it's completely changed. Challenge your marketing department to perform. If you have contractors, there are amazing contractors out there. Mm-hmm. You know, not all businesses can afford to have a full-time, you know, marketing manager, VP of marketing, CMO, um, but definitely challenge those contractors to, you know, give, provide that strategy, talk to each other and have that one point of contact within the company that can help run your marketing department with sales, with customer service. Make sure to prioritize marketing in 2023. I couldn't have said it better. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much, Mary. Please come back sometime. It was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Good, happy to hear it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. 